Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. and welcome back to another episode should we say episode sarah an episode of the squiggly careers podcast for amazing if i'm helen tupper and i'm here with sarah hi everyone uh, and this week we are going to be talking about how to do a great interview but before we get into that i think we should have a little chat about our, our weeks sarah how are you getting on how are you getting on this week well this week is feeling particularly squiggly and full-on I really enjoy having jobs that have peaks and troughs. I actually find that really energising. But there's peaks and then you know when there's like, I don't know what's above a peak. Just <laughs> the super some, peak. Some, something the above summit, that. I don't know. <laughs> where just, and I think everyone has this, whether it's within a week or within a month, where multiple things happen simultaneously. And I'm kind of in the midst of that, both like personally and professionally. So there's a load of stuff happening, like really brilliant work, all things that I'm really enjoying. And then I've also simultaneously got quite a few of the things that I'm managing simultaneously, like people travelling, coming back from Australia, who I'm really excited to see, one of my friends. But at the same time as that, my other half's on a stag do and loads of... So there is a list of about 10 things where at some point I'm relatively worried that we're just going to forget my little boy and he'll just be left no. <laughs> waiting at a train station or something because I'll have forgotten <laughs> who was meant to be where at what point. But... Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm assured it will all it will all work out, and there's, there certainly seems to be a plan. But I'm just I am doing a slightly uh, take one day at a time approach to life at the moment, which actually I don't love. That's not usually the way I can. I'm quite you know I like to think ahead, I like to plan, but I do sometimes find in those peak peaks, if we're going to call them that, just going it will all be okay. It's almost like the tennis analogy of like one shot at a time. And you'll of course, get there. the tennis analogy. Of course, course the tennis is. analogy. <laughs> Basically, in tennis, if you just win every point, then obviously, ultimately, you you win the game, you win the match. And I sort of, I, I go, I revert to this kind of attitude of like, okay, well, if I do that really well, and then that really well, and just keep going, keep going. At some point, everything will be good. <laughs> My mother-in-law has this phrase, um, which I really like actually. Uh, it's called uh, "This too will pass," and, <laughs> and I kind of feel like it's you know you, I've had those peak peaks enough that I know that this too will pass. So that yeah. is my, my my guidance to you. <laughs> um, I'm actually your mirror. I think my week is a lot quieter this week um, in Microsoft. Well, actually, I've got a new manager. That's quite exciting. In it's Microsoft. exciting. Um, particularly as we did a podcast. I can't remember the episode number off the top of my head, but we did a podcast relatively recently on how to manage your manager. So I should probably go. And, uh, 
to go re-listen to that one. So do you want him to listen to that or not listen to that? I don't know. I don't want him to know that I've got a plan. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But uh, so, yeah, new manager. But also it's quite a a funny week in Microsoft there. Microsoft puts on a big conference every year. This year it's in Las Vegas. And because of my holiday and various reasons, I'm not going to it. But there's a lot of people out there. They go to Vegas and they hear all about the great Microsoft news and what's happening. And it's a really big um, cultural event. So that means that the office is quite quiet. So it's just a funny, it's a funny, it's a what, like first month of our new fiscal year. I've got a new manager, half my team are in America. Um, so it's kind of a funny time. So it's di- very different to your your the pace of your week, I think. <laughs> so um, so back to today's topic then, interviews. And why are interviews important in squiggly careers? Well, from I'll kind of give you my take on it and then maybe Sarah, if you see if you agree. But my take on why I think actually doing great interviews is important in squiggly careers is because we are going to be changing jobs a lot more often that's the kind of nature of squiggly careers there's lots more change some of it you are in control of some of it you might not be in control of but ultimately we're going to be doing a lot more jobs which is probably going to give rise to quite a few more interviews and hopefully the more you develop the skills to navigate that squiggly career the more you're aware of what you value what you're great at who can help you so the more you're kind of going for jobs that are actually going to make you happy so ultimately you really want to get that job if you're going for the right job because you know what you're great at and you found a match then you really want to sell yourself in that job so that you can get that job that's going to be a great next point on your squiggly career so we want to help you set you up for success for that because that's kind of why it's important have you got any other context there of why this is a good topic for us to be covering on our podcast well my one other thought in the context of squiggly careers is I think I found over the past probably five or six years there's also those situations where you're interviewing but not interviewing and if I just explain what I mean by that I think you end up having more informal conversations to explore opportunities and we've talked before about kind of exploring career possibilities which is not like a lot of the interviews I had at the start of my career, which were very formal, very structured, (laughs) competency-based interviews, which I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about today in terms of our experience of doing those. We've both done a lot of them. I find that that kind of overly processed, structured way of interviewing is becoming less common, even in, you know, the really big organisations we've both worked in. And increasingly, you sometimes are going for a very specific job and it is a pure interview scenario. But I think there is kind of lots of things around the periphery which you're essentially exploring something that could become a job opportunity in the future or a person you might want to work with in the future. And so I think a lot of the skills and sort of hints and tips we're going to talk about today are very relevant in a kind of wider context than just the sort of formal interview. So hopefully that's given you a bit of a a feel for why listening to this the next half an hour is going to be a good use of time for your squiggly career. What we are going to do today is we're going to do a bit of insight into our best and worst (laughs) interviews. So again, we've not shared this in advance. I'm so looking forward to hearing Sarah's. (laughs) Uh, And then we are going to both share our top three tips. So you'll get six tips all in all for how we approach interviews. Also, I think some reflections from when we've interviewed people. We've both interviewed, I don't know how many people in our careers but lots and so we're kind of surfacing the things that we think really work for you to be successful in that moment and then we'll conclude as ever with some resources we think you can help you after the podcast so let's get into because I can't wait should, the, should we uh, start should we start with the worst ones because that let's let's face it that's what everybody wants to hear <laughs> everyone will okay. expect us to start with the best ones but I think we should start with the worst because the worst. that'll be the Who's bit where people are like go on tell, tell us what you were I'll go I don't mind going first if you want me okay, to okay you go you go um Plus, I think I think I've even told the people. I know I still know really well 
the two people who interviewed me for my worst ever interview. It's, it's, <laughs> quite, it's quite an unusual situation. So the context was I was working in Sainsbury's. There was a big restructure. This is probably five or six years ago now. So I was relatively new to joining Sainsbury's. And I was interviewing for a job that was more senior to the job that I'd got. But I knew going into that interview that the existing role that I was doing was disappearing. So it was a, it was quite a high, well, it was very high stress, very high pressured. And I knew the two people interviewing me really well. So it was actually somebody who I went on to work for at a later stage um, and who was, who was the director of that area at, at that time. And the other person was, and still is, my mentor. <laughs> And those two people, like I say, are still people, both of whom I would consider mentors today, who I get on with brilliantly, who've been so supportive and helpful in my career. But that interview was a disaster. (laughs) And, oh, my God, I prepared. No one had prepared for that interview more than me because my sort of default when I'm under a lot of pressure is, you know, the sort of you over-prepare to the extent where you've thought about every single scenario and hypothesis that could ever happen or every question that could ever emerge So I think I went in so tightly wound, under pressure, over-prepared. And then when I, honestly, when I got into this interview and it was a very formal setting, at the time it was in like um, a boardroom on a floor where, and this doesn't exist anymore in Sainsbury's, but it was all very formal boardrooms, massive table, two of them sitting opposite you, you're in this massive great big room and you're just sitting there feeling very small. And I absolutely capitulated. And at the time, I think I knew it was happening a little bit, but afterwards, I, I definitely knew some specifics about just how bad it was. I didn't answer any of the questions properly because I got to this point where I think I was, I almost had a monologue that I wanted to share with everybody that it didn't matter what was asked. I just sort of said whatever I'd kind of already got in my head. So I didn't, I didn't listen to anything that was being said. And intentionally, there were some questions that they chose to ask that were kind of outside of the normal capability experience type questions and they did that to test how good are you on your feet what was your thought process Um, and I will share this question with you because it was at this point where essentially there was no recovery for me because I did such a bad job you I reckon you'll be good at this but the question was okay Sarah how many lawnmowers do you think there are in the UK (laughs) I hate those interview questions I've had some of those things before oh and I did. What did you do? That did you do like? My... I would do like number of households uh, in the UK. No, 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 no. What I did was um... froze. Let's just be really. Let's be really clear about what happened. Was I froze and panicked and struggled to even start to even say anything. And by this point, you know, when you kind of go, oh, I just want to die inside and I want to leave, and this is so painful. And it, I think it was so painful for them at that point that uh, one of the people interviewing me did sort of start me off exactly like you just sort of said and kind of went well you know maybe start with how many people there are in the UK and I was thinking oh I don't know I don't know I knew I still wouldn't be very good at know, those style of questions it doesn't play to my strengths I've had a few all. of those different questions I've had them or oh, like maybe twice in my career once at Capital One where they asked me I was some distances to do with some boats and trains and something and I cannot remember oh. the other one but for anyone who has those interview questions the importance is actually not your answer so if you get 
the logic of how you answer the question and the answer right you're brilliant but actually the most important thing is your logic so for example the question that Sarah's talking about a really good way of approaching it is saying well the way I'm going to approach this question is I'm going to make an assumption about how many people live in the UK or you might actually know that and therefore how many households there are I'm going to make an assumption about how many people have gardens and what percentage of those people who have gardens own their own lawnmower so listening to you that is exactly what you should have (laughs) done clearly I did absolutely none of that and you know some of it you kind of notch down to experience and Helen is 100% right they did not care about the answer we've actually probably not talked about it that much in the last few podcasts about growth and fixed mindset I think my fixed mindset in that moment was they were looking for the right answer here I am meant to be able to get to something close to the right answer of course they're not looking for the right answer what they're looking for is actually you to take a kind of growth mindset attitude to answering that question and just have a go and explain what you're doing and I reckon if you'd have done a good job of explaining why you got to where you got to I think you could have been Mm. wildly wrong and they wouldn't care some people are naturally better at those sorts of things absolutely that is not I was never good at you know those kind of numeric assessmenty type things that you have to do and I'm really rubbish at the here's a triangle a square (laughs) and a circle and a oblong what's the next shape and I'm like I don't know and how is that ever going to help me in my job? And then I also get really angry and frustrated that A, I can't do it and that I don't think it's very applicable. It is critical thinking and it is useful, but it is genuinely just something I've always really struggled with. So that interview was an absolute disaster and I, I knew it had been, albeit I still sort of thought, oh, I don't know, like, they know me, maybe they'll still give me the job. I mean, they didn't, uh, right, right, rightly so for lots of reasons. But I, I found that whole process... You know, we talk talk about like learning as you go. Just in that moment, it was certainly just something where I found that really kind of hard point in my career in terms of you're under lots of stress and pressure anyway. You don't then perform particularly well under that pressure. And then you're left to cope in a kind of situation that personally is is really hard to deal with. You know, you talk about like resilience and the ability to bounce back, which ultimately I did. You know, I stayed at Sainsbury's for four more years Mm. after that. And it was probably my favourite place to work out of everywhere I've worked so far in my career. And, you know, those two people are two of my favourite people. So it does show how, you know, you can totally come back from it. But yeah, it, was, it wasn't my finest moment. I bet you, um, if I shared this with them, I reckon they'd remember because I think it was that bad. <laughs> go share it and see. My, yeah. so I do not speak to the person from my worst interview, but that's because we, we didn't speak yeah. to any time afterwards. So about 14 years ago, I went for an interview. I think Sarah will laugh at this whole story. But I went for an interview with Aldi. So this is not long after we'd finished uni. Um, I was looking for my next move. I think this is a big shiny object thing. So Aldi... D- didn't you get a really good yeah, car? Yeah, you got a really good car and the highest graduate salary. <laughs> I think that was quite a big driver for me applying for the role. But also it was quite hard. I love a job that's hard to get. <laughs> I still probably do. <laughs> and so I knew this is, a, this is an in-demand job partly because of those factors and I went for the interview got through whatever first stage and then went to this final interview and it was an assessment centre held at somewhere near Coventry and there were probably about 12 other people in this assessment centre I may have been one of the only women there the other people were all guys and it was the most it was the most weird assessment centre so it's quite aggressive lacked any kind of emotion some of the exercises that we were asked to do were we were all sat around a table and 
and then we were told to pick up something in front of us and sell it to everybody on the table with no with no thinking so I had to <laughs> no. I had to pick up a pen oh. and be like so this is a great big pen it's got fluid writing it's got a lid that you can click on very smoothly but you had to do it for a minute so to try and sell a pen for a minute that was quite hard then we did that exercise where you have to decide who you're going to throw out of the boat so I'm a doctor there's a child the blah 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 who you're going to throw out a boat that was okay And then the worst bit was the one-on-one interview, which I'd ordinarily like, but it was with a very inanimate guy who gave no feedback and just told me to talk about myself and didn't interrupt at all, didn't, and no facial expressions, so no cues of how you were doing. And then at the end of the interview, he said, you talk too much. And I was like, I'm not sure. Basically, it culturally it was a bad fit. (laughs) But when I didn't get that job, unsurprisingly, which is probably a very good thing for them and for me, I was a bit like, oh, I I always get jobs. How have I not got this job? But actually, it was a good thing. And I I can totally see why. I think I love the arrogance as well of youth, of us both being like, well, I did, I've just done the worst interview in history, but may, maybe I'll still get the job. Probably be fine. <laughs> I think it was, it was a def for me, definitely. It was a good thing I didn't get that job. Um, I, it would have been a really bad cultural fit for me at that time in my career. And I think the wrong, the wrong things were driving me for that opportunity. <laughs> but, you know, it was still, I will never forget having to sell a pen for a minute and thinking why did I pick a pen? Couldn't I have picked something a bit more complicated? So, Oh, I'm just a bad salesperson. So let's do best then. Do you want to do your, your best interview? So my best one, it's probably not a one-off interview, but a process that I've been part of, which is actually my current job, which I've been in probably for about four or five months now. When I was thinking about this role and started talking to the company that I work for now, which who are called Gravity Road, I had lots and lots of what I would call almost like mini interviews. And actually, it's probably the first time that I've spent that much time with people before joining an organisation. And that was so positive. It means that you get a real feel for the organisation, the people you're going to be working with a lot, the challenges they're facing, what they're looking for from that person. And it meant that I also spent a lot of time, I guess, sharing with them what I was looking for. So, you know, what did I want to spend my time doing? Where did I think I could add the most value? And was that what they needed? And I felt like we were having very honest conversations about how the role was going to work, whether I was going to work. I got to meet some other people from the organisation as well. And I, I knew a few people already, so that was kind of useful. And actually, it was over quite a long period of time as well. It was probably at least four months from when I first met them to have a very speculative conversation through to going okay then I've agreed that we're going to do this and for me that just felt so equitable Mm -hmm. so it felt like you'd both got something to give and you've got something to gain Uh, it felt very authentic and I felt like they kind of really got to know me it's always really hard until you start an organization to know are you going to enjoy it is it going to be the right thing for you especially when you're moving companies but I felt like I'd gone as far as I possibly could without literally starting work there And I felt like it was a process where we kind of went and talked about the things that were needed to be talked about at the right time. So we got to one point where I did do like a mini little presentation in quite an informal way, but just to start sort of sharing some of my thinking. So I felt like they got an insight into the way I approached a challenge or a problem. We started talking about, you know, what I would do differently in the role in terms of for the industry. Like when I reflect on all of the kind of interview process I've been through, lots of sort of short, sharp interactions with multiple people in multiple places. It just meant that I think 
I'd got different options in terms of job offers at that time. And I felt really confident making the choice. So when I was thinking, is this the right thing? I really felt like, yep, I'm making the right decision for me based on all the information that I have. My best example is was a different company but there's some similarities around these kind of like repeated mini interviews so my best example of an interview process is actually at Microsoft for the first role that I went I joined Microsoft for it was quite a long process what was really valuable about it was it was the person who recruited me was a big big fan of growth mindset and it is something that Microsoft have really adopted internally we talk about it a lot but he had specifically applied it to the interview process which I haven't actually seen since I've been at Microsoft it was something that he distinctly did and the growth mindset I mean it's partly why me as a non-technical person got brought into that company was because of his growth mindset because he was recruiting for other things not just kind of the knowledge of the technical workings of products and the industry but the process was a I had a inf- couple of informal interviews with him but the bit that was really valuable was he'd set up four people to do like speed dating interviews with me and I had four fast-paced half-hour interviews with different people from the team so two peers someone that worked for me and uh, I think someone from a different department there were four people half an hour slots and they just asked me really broad questions so it was not a competency-based thing at all they were they were like you know can you tell me about why you want the role just really broad questions but it meant that I could really authentically show up because of the types of questions that they were asking. I got to meet lots of different people through the process. Like there's been interviews where I've only ever met one person from a company and you're you're being asked to make a decision about do you want to work in this company and you've, you've only got a very small insight into it. In this one, I met six people that I would be working with through that interview process, not including some of the people from HR. It just felt authentic, not forced, gave me an opportunity to see whether I would fit this team as well as they could see whether I would fit it and it was very much like a fit thing it wasn't just like a tick list of has she got that experience it was would she fit here could she contribute would she thrive here and it just felt like a really really good process I would that speed interviewing thing where you get to meet lots of different people is definitely something I would replicate again. Do you know what's consistent actually listening to both of our stories is that clearly those organizations had recognized just how important it is to think about who joins your organisation and and the kind of the impact that that has so that it's worth investing in that process because you recognise how valuable getting the right people are. Mm. There's a guy called Jim Collins who wrote a book about good to great, both in terms of organisations that go from good to great and leaders that do the same. And somebody asked him, from all the research he's done, what's the one thing you'd say to people in terms of all of those insights that you should like really think about really focus on and he says get the right people on the bus that's like his one thing is like of everything that he's done and all of those kind of the different factors that are involved in going from good to great the importance of having the right people in the right places seems to be the kind of overriding factor and I think with both of our experiences that's people and companies that have recognized that and go it's worth taking the time over it's worth investing time in and we're going to prioritize it so let's assume then that you think this is the right place for you you're in and you've got an interview coming up and you're, you think it's the right place for the right time for your career uh, and you want to do a brilliant job what we're going to do next is give you six tips we'll go we'll alternate between Sarah and I uh, and give you six tips that we think will really help you to be your best self in that interview and hopefully get that job that's going to be the next great step on your career so shall I do the first one Sarah and then we'll we'll each each do one each um so my first tip for you is to think pre and post the interview 
in terms of the people that you're going to be meeting. And what, what I mean by that is I've done a lot of interviews where people have just turned up and they, they haven't asked anything about me beforehand. They just literally turn up in that moment and then I never hear from them again. But actually what a much more effective thing to do is ask whoever the contact is that's setting up the interview for you, generally it's HR, ask them who you're going to be meeting. Make sure you know, that's absolute basic, make sure you know the names of the people that you are going to be meeting in that interview process. And then do a little bit of light research slash stalking of those people. Go on LinkedIn, get a feel for how long they've been in the company, maybe what roles they've done beforehand, Google them, see if they've done any writing. If you Googled me, you'd see all my marketing week writing. You'd get a really good feel for the things that I am passionate about. And therefore, if you're in an interview with me, you don't have to be really overt and play that all back. You know, you'd be talking about learning and development and growth mindset because you know that's the sort of thing that I value if you just done one minute of searching about me so make sure you invest in that pre-phase find out who it is do the research part of it's just contextual you don't like I say don't have to play it all back in the interview and then post the interview do some kind of follow-up connect with them on LinkedIn if you've got their email thank them send them any other thoughts that you've got I do not bombard them like I think actually post an interview this is a one effort thing to do like if you repeatedly message someone I think you're at risk of frustrating them but I would always say to somebody I'd connect with them on LinkedIn and I'd say thanks for your time earlier today I would do it within 24 hours appreciated the interview look forward to hearing from you would like to connect here that's probably how much I would leave it but just so that you've got some kind of like stickiness with that person and you're not just the person who was in a room for 45 minutes and then you've gone and they can forget you so think about pre and post not just the in the moment interview that's my first tip and the one thing I build on that with is I have been very surprised by how few people research the organization so I would research both the individuals but also the organization I always have asked questions to sort of see people's level of knowledge and understanding of the organization they're coming for the interview with and the industry that you're part of I don't mind if people from a different industry that's often interesting but I still expect you to know a bit. And when I say know a bit, I mean, to Helen's point, literally have gone on the website, see what the latest news stories are. You know, when I was at Sainsbury's, I would always ask people, what's your local Sainsbury's like? What would be your favourite Sainsbury's product? And if people couldn't even come up with something there, I'd always be a bit worried. Yeah, good point. You've got me thinking now about my favourite Sainsbury's product. <laughs> Ooh, we'll, we'll come back to it. We'll come back to our, mine for reference, uh, oat and raisin cookies from the in-store bakery. I think mine's an organic so plain I, yogurt. I can guarantee yours won't be that. <laughs> what did organic you say yours plain was? yogurt, you know, in the green pots, I think it's called like so Sainsbury's oh, organic. That is so <laughs> It's a really good Greek yogurt. Anyway, moving on. Your okay. tip. So a lot of my tips come from where I've gone wrong so that people don't do the same. My top tip is listen. You spend a lot of time preparing for an interview, hopefully, if you're taking it seriously. So I don't think you should over-prepare, but I do think you should spend the time doing things that Helen and I have just talked about. And then when you actually meet somebody, it's really hard because you're nervous. You're nervous and, you know, it's an unusual situation that you find yourself in. Depends how confident you are as well meeting new people. I always find that's nerve-wracking anyway. And then you kind of layer on an interview process. So make sure you're sort of, before you go in, you just remind yourself, kind of deep breath first, spend some time listening to what the person's got to say and just make sure then you're answering what they're asking you, not what you hoped they would be saying. Good, good tip. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Okay, my next one is actually in relation to that listening one a little bit is to not just do like a question answer format. So I think when you're nervous in an interview situation, it's really easy to sit there and sort of wait for the questions. So can you tell me about a time when you've led a team or whatever the question is, and then give your answer that you've prepped and then you just stop and you wait for the next question and you're in this kind of like ping pong question answer thing. But it's a bit false. It's not showing you at your relaxed state. You're not necessarily building the rapport with the interviewer as well. So just try and break down. If if you feel that's happening, try and break it down. And some ways that you can do that are you can bring props. I don't mean like juggling balls and things, but I mean, I mean like relevant props. So for example, as a marketeer, I could bring some marketing campaigns that I've been part of. I could bring some visual examples of those, or I could bring some campaigns that I think are great, or I could maybe have done some kind of models of work or something, but just kind of bring something tangible with you that you can sort of use as your conversation so that you can almost create more of a discussion I much prefer in interviews if I can take it away from a somebody's interviewing me and I'm answering these questions to much more of a discussion and almost trying to get it as like a peer-to-peer discussion that feels much more comfortable so props are a good way to try and break that question answer thing that might be going on and um, also I find that drawing what I'm thinking I'm quite a visual person so I will often rather than just answering a question I tend to think in models. Oh, you don't draw a Venn diagram, do well, you? I, I draw whatever it is. I, it could be a triangle, it could I be a Venn it, diagram. I bet it's a Venn diagram. It could be a two by two model. It doesn't really matter, but I find. <laughs> oh, I'd absolutely love to see you do that. That's so I do funny. it all the time. I do it in meetings. Cause... Well, I know, I know you do, but I know you did it in interviews. <laughs> yeah, I do it all the time because I, a, I find it stops me waffling, but in in a people suddenly engage with it. I, I noticed this actually when I used to do lots of jobs in innovation, and as soon as you created a prototype. And it could be from a piece of paper that you'd kind of twisted into, this is how I'm thinking this thing could work. But as soon as you create kind of something physical or tangible, people start engaging with it in a different way. And it's the same thing in an interview. You take it from being this thing that's in your mind that you're regurgitating in speech to somebody to something they can see and talk about. So if you think... Don't do it if your brain doesn't quite work like that. But if you're a visual thinker and it is useful for you to articulate your thoughts about a project you've run or your learnings or how you might approach a challenge in a visual way on a flip chart or on a piece of paper, then be prepared to do that. Or maybe change the dynamic. You can maybe stand up for some of it if you're doing a presentation <laughs> first, maybe stand up and then sit down. I just try just try and break the I'm sat here. I've just got an image of you now though, just halfway through just being like 
I'm just going to stand up now. <laughs> well, I might do you, you laugh, but I've definitely done that. I've done, when I've done a presentation uh, before, I've definitely said, like, I'm just going to stand up. It clearly works. You pretty much always get your job. So. <laughs> because I find that if I've got a big screen up where I've done some slides, I kind of yeah. want to stand up and point to that and I want to engage people in it. My last tip on this point is also ask them questions back. So that is probably the easiest way of breaking this pattern of them asking a question, you answering it, is to say, um, you give your answer and you say, well, how does that compare to the experience here or is that something that you think would work here so just to try and just the aim of it is to break the pattern i've given you a few ideas <laughs> oh, which i could Sarah just imagine you just going like you know i've asked you a question and then almost you're like asking me the question back and i'm thinking but i thought i was interviewing here <laughs> i love interviews by the way <laughs> i do love them <laughs> I, I, just... I can see that <laughs> so that is my much mocked uh, tip from sarah but has worked repeatedly for me yeah exactly you can't you can't knock can't it, knock it. well you do you, you have <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's treachery. Yeah, I did. So. Your tip, Sarah. Um, my second tip is ask good questions. And I think I was meaning less um, asking asking questions of the interviewer <laughs> as they were going through, more remembering that it is a two-way process and that when you are interview- being interviewed, it's really easy to lose sight of that because, of course, you're going for that job because it's something that you at least intuitively think, well, I want to do this. So it feels like sometimes there's more in it for you than there kind of is for the organization but don't forget you need it to be a really good fit so think about the things that are really important to you or that maybe you don't know and try and ask some meaningful questions at the end of the interview or you might be able to ask them as you do as you go through especially if it's more kind of informal or you're just having a discussion and not being afraid to ask those things I think is really important my example would be flexibility is really important to me at work both in terms of the culture and for me personally, to be able to make my life work generally. And a job could be the best job ever, but if the premise of flexibility wasn't understood or valued or appreciated within an organisation, it would never, ever be the right place for me. And that can sometimes feel hard to accept and a bit disappointing because you might think a job sounds brilliant. And I certainly explored and have explored in the past a couple of jobs where you just think, oh, that potentially sounds really amazing, and asked a bit about kind of some cultural things or flexibility and started to get a few alarm bells and had to have the confidence to think, this is not going to be the right thing for me and that's okay. There are lots of jobs out there, I'd rather wait for the right thing. I think not losing sight of you've got as much to give as you have to gain and make sure you ask questions about things that are important to you. And we'll give you a resource that we'll give the links to in all the, all the normal places, which we'll tell you at the end of the podcast. But there's um, a link to something called Best Interview Questions because it's so easy to just ask a I don't know, how long have you been here? uh, What do you think of the company? And as soon as you get that question as an interviewer, it's just a bit boring. But actually those insightful questions are the ones that you're almost quite interested in answering. So um, hopefully that link that we give you at the end will will help you. I always quite like, um, what do you enjoy the most about your job or your role or working here? Because then you're asking that person, what do they enjoy the most? And I always think it's interesting, do they talk about something technical within their job? Do they talk about something cultural they talk about a specific project they're really proud of I think and especially if you're being interviewed by more than one person it's interesting to see where people go first so my last tip then is to know your values and then use questions which allow you to test them and I'll talk through this a little bit more but when I was at BP I had a great job I had a really good team but the whole thing just wasn't quite clicking for me and I was actually quite unhappy towards the end of my time there and I knew I knew what my values were I could see where I wasn't kind of fulfilling them and I knew that my next role I really wanted to have a really good values alignment. And so when I was going through my interviews at Virgin, some of the interview questions that I was asking 
were my basic I was asking about my values so I have values for example freedom growth energy and achievement so I was asking interview questions like what sort of freedom do people have at Virgin in terms of how they work what do you think some of the biggest achievements are going to be in the role in the next 12 months what opportunities are there for people to grow what's the energy like of the team they were the questions that I was asking and they were very personal to me but based on the answers I got I could make an assessment of To what extent do I think I'm going to be happy here? Because ultimately, if you are living your values at work, that's when you're your most fulfilled and you're your happiest. So there's some stages to this. First, you've got to know your values and then you've got to ask those questions in the interview. On the knowing your values point, we'll give you some ways that you can explore them in the next podcast. But that was hugely valuable to me. And what I found out in my interview was offered that job. I took that job and it definitely came true for me and what I was doing at Virgin. So it it worked on that occasion for me. And my last tip is to start the interview process early. And really probably what I'm talking about here is appreciating that I think interview processes actually are only going to get longer as people understand how important who you recruit to your organisation is and the kind of value of people given most businesses now are only as good as the people that they hire. And so these processes I don't imagine are going to get any shorter. You might find you have speed dating style of ones, But even then, that tends to be part of a process rather than the kind of the whole answer. And when people sort of say to me, oh, you know, I'm really unhappy in my job and I've just started interviewing. I always think, oh, no, you've probably got six months until this works out. Because let's say for every five interviews you go for, two might not be the right fit for you. Two, you know, you might quite like, but you might not be the right person for them. And one might work out, but that one might be the one in five months, six months time and you've still got six months in your current job, and you then might have three months notice. And suddenly, that's a nine-month process. And having been pregnant for nine months, I can tell you that's quite a long time. (laughs) And that's what I think of now when I think of nine months. But that's not that unusual in terms of timescale. And I've talked to a few people recently who've been moving jobs, and they're saying they'd not moved companies for a while and had forgotten just how long it takes. First of all, even finding the role, so whether that's you know a job spec that you've seen or someone you've spoken to, through to actually getting that offer it's just a really long process I think at most stages of people's career that doesn't happen super super quickly if people have got other experiences I kind of love to hear if you can do this in a really fast and creative way that still has depth that we've described I would just really encourage you to get started someone used to say to me that you should go for at least one interview a year if anything just to keep yourself almost a bit in the market and practicing and do you know what that's advice I have never taken because I think really I would still only ever go for an interview if I genuinely wanted the job I don't I'm not sure about the idea of going for an interview for my own practice but there probably is something in the sentiment in terms of are you at least every year making sure that like your LinkedIn profile is up to date that if you were going to apply for a job you've got a kind of CV that you're really happy with have you captured the things you've achieved etc yeah, I think that thing about keeping your CV update is quite it, is quite useful because mm. it, it keeps your mind fresh on what you're achieving and doing. But yeah, I probably wouldn't apply for a job every year just because of my reputation. Um, yeah, I'd, I agree. I'd be thinking about that. But I, I, yeah, like you said, I get the sentiment. So hopefully you've, you've had a bit of a laugh at our best and worst experiences <laughs> and we've given you six tips that can just help. I think this you. is going to make us like 
unemployable. Like everyone's <laughs> going to listen to this and be like, oh God, well, if they did that, then maybe she's, she's going to come in and draw me a Venn diagram. I, I, can't, I think I, I, this whole <laughs> podcast might be making us unemployable, but right. um, oh well, <laughs> it's fine. We'll be together. Um, so anyway, so we give you six tips so that you can be employable, which is the most important thing about what we do. Um, and then in terms of resources, then um, we will post these in all the normal places. So as you know, our podcast goes up on a Tuesday and we post this in Instagram where we're amazing if on Twitter where we're amazing underscore if and on LinkedIn where it's just Helen Tupper and Sarah Ellis two different profiles we're not together on LinkedIn yet but maybe, maybe we should be um, no, and be the, step too far step, step too far, far step too far um, but the resources we'll post are um, first of all Glassdoor really great resource to do a little bit of stalking so that prep that we talked about this is where you can get a bit of a feel for what employees are saying about the business this might be something that have left and they might not have left positively or it could be the existing ones so just take that into account but you'll get a bit of a feel for some some insight from going on Glassdoor also we'll post some links for best interview questions I mentioned that and with there was one around 30 tips that's from themuse.com who also do like kind of lots of career advice and they they categorize those 30 questions actually by knowing your audience that's a bit like the prep stuff we've talked about anticipating questions dressing accordingly which we've not talked about actually mm. um but how you can kind of dress for the culture and all that kind of stuff to fit in um and then getting your head in the right place so some di- lots more things than we've actually talked about in this one here they're very short and sweet bullet points but might just give you some more, more ideas well, thank you um as ever for listening uh, we continue to really appreciate all the support and feedback that we get please do subscribe rate us if you get a chance um share us with other people it's all really helpful for us And as we said, next week, we're going to be talking about values. Our shortcut for defining values are what makes you, you. They're the things that motivate and drive you. Um, I can't promise we're going to crack all of your values in a um, just over half an hour podcast. No, definitely not. We'll we'll start you off. Essentially, it's taken us five or six years to work out on ours for ourselves. But certainly we can help you to think about how do you start discovering them. So really looking forward to that next week. In the meantime, thanks for listening and see you soon. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.